in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Yes. Sewell with a first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down to the 31-yard line. Merry Christmas here from Allen Park, and welcome to week 16 of the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And as always, we're going to start with news and notes as the Lions head to Carolina on Saturday, not Sunday, uh, Christmas Eve game this week, um, to face a, a Carolina team that, look, it's 5-9 and nine is still in the hunt in the NFC South, so they've got plenty to play for. And obviously Detroit, um, you know, after the 1-6 and six start battling back to 6-1 to, you know, and one over the last seven games to 7-7 seven and seven on the year, still very much in the thickest things in the NFC so so, look, it's going to be an exciting game, and it's going to be a cold game, too. You know, we're going to have Darren Gant on, uh, does a great job covering the Panthers. He's going to explain that a little bit. But it, it could be a record cold game for uh, Bank of America Stadium in, in Charlotte. So, um, you know, elements are going to play a factor uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I think we should probably start this week with the Pro Bowl. Um, congratulations to Frank Ragnow of the Detroit Lions for, um, you know, making his second Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl um, made it in 2020. Obviously, only played four games last year. was was injured, and, and to make it now for a second year, I think Frank's established himself as as one of the consistently dominant centers in football. Congratulations to him. The only guy who made the initial team, um, you know, Penny Sewell, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown first. Uh, alternates um, in all nine alternates for this Detroit Lions team. So you can just see where this roster is heading, right? A lot of young guys. Um, you know, getting into the into the alternate list there. So this is a, a roster and a team that's trajecting forward with with a lot of young guys. Health-wise, it's pretty good heading into this game for Detroit. Uh, monitoring Frank a little bit as he continues to, to to deal with that foot injury. But look, he's battled that since week one. He's played 13 games this season, so I don't think that'll be an issue. Probably the one big loss they're they're, they're likely not to have uh, Deshaun Elliott, the starting safety, uh, injured his shoulder in the third quarter last week against the Jets. Did not return. Um, it's going to be Fatu Melifanwu and. Uh, CJ Moore battling out this week for uh, that starting job. We we talked to Aaron Glenn um, on Wednesday, on Tuesday it was, and he said, "Look, that that." that competition is still uh, very much uh, in play. I think that's going to go down to the end of the week. I'd be a little surprised if it wasn't C.J. Moore to start, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Ifatu and C.J. Moore at different points in the game. Uh, dominant performance up front by that offensive line against the Jets. They, they hope to continue that this week against Carolina. It's now 10 quarters. The Lions have not allowed a sack. 19 sacks all season long. That's tied with Dallas and Tampa Bay for the fewest in the NFL. Those guys just continue Continue to uh, oppose their will on opposing defenses, um, and 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 they've been really good. They'll look to do that again against a Carolina team that's not quite as good defensively as the New York Jets. So you you hope that that will play into Detroit's favor. Uh, good good for Khalif Raymond for winning the NFC. Uh, special teams player of the week after his 47-yard punt return. Dan Campbell, after that game, gave Khalifa game ball, called him one of those iron men, you know, a guy who's been at every practice, every game. When the Lions were injured at wide receiver, he was a guy that stepped in and played, and obviously to get his first uh, punt return touchdown. He's second in the NFL right now in terms of punt return average, so well-deserved for him. And 
I think when you look at this matchup with Carolina this week, I, I think you know exactly what you're going to get in Carolina. Um, like I mentioned off the top, it's a team f- still fighting for a playoff spot, but offensively they want to run the football, and that's what they do. You look at their five wins this year, they've averaged 191 yards rushing the football. In their nine losses, they've averaged 76. And and look, they'll run it on third and four, third and five. Uh, they'll run it, they'll run it some more, and then they're going to run it again. And so the, the you know what you're going to get with them. They try to impose their will. They've got an identity. They want to run the football. And then, you know, Sam Darnold had the play action off that with some of those strike routes and play actions. And they'll take a couple shots that we saw, you know, last week in their game. So, but but I think the big key for Detroit is is really first and foremost, stopping that run, make them a throwing football team. And, and I think that plays to Detroit's advantage. So got a great show for you this week. Uh, Darren Gant, like I mentioned, from Panthers.com is going to break down this matchup. Taylor Decker is going to join me. We're going to talk off offensive line and everything else. I've got the uh, MGM key matchups with P.J. Clark. So uh, busy show as the Detroit Lions get ready to head down to Carolina. Huge Week 16 matchup this week against the Panthers. Two teams still fighting for the playoffs. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and I am very glad to be joined by Darren Gant. He's the uh, senior writer, managing editor, does a great job covering uh, everything Carolina Panthers for Panthers.com. Darren, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, happy to do it, Tim. You know, it's cold here. Yeah, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some snow here on Friday. You know, three to five inches projected, but uh, it, it's gonna be cold in Carolina. You guys aren't used to this, are you? I know we were chatting before. What's 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 the crazy stat for for Saturday's game? Yes, welcome to the South in December, <laughs> where we are not prepared for cold weather and we do not enjoy it. We live here for a reason. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> This has the potential to be the coldest home game in Carolina Panthers franchise history with a forecast temperature somewhere hovering around 30 uh, at kickoff, we think. The uh, high on on Saturday is projected to be about 34. Don't know if we're going to get all the way there, but 30 degrees is the coldest game home game in Panthers franchise history, which is your reminder that everything is relative. <laughs> yes, you are speaking from someone up north in Detroit. Now, we, obviously, we're used to the cold, but the Lions do play in in Ford Field, which is a you know stadium and enclosed. So, seventy degrees on game day, but we do go to Green Bay every year, so so we know about cold weather games. But how do you think the cold maybe affects this game, Darren? Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure people are going to start dredging up the Jared Goff cold weather game stats is going to be one thing. And I'm sure he's already been through a layer of that this year. But um, I think that the way the Carolina Panthers are playing football right now, they've kind of taken the elements out of play. I mean, when it's been raining, when they played in the drizzly mess up in Seattle the other week, they're kind of built to play that way because, listen, this team wants to run first and foremost. They want to play defense. They want a shortened game so the idea of throwing the ball all over the yard is not really anything they're particularly interested in I guess you'd say uh so so they're sort of weatherproof they're just not you know and every team's got guys on it that aren't from the place they are uh you know there are Florida guys here who would rather be someplace even warmer but uh yeah I, I think they're kind of built in a way that I don't know that the conditions are going to matter as much to them as it might somebody else 
You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Darren, because I was looking on your website. You guys had a very interesting statistic that over the last six weeks, and you guys are a team that wants to run the football. I mean, you're right there in the middle of the league in terms of rushing statistically throughout the course of the year. But in your three losses, in your last three losses, you guys have averaged 40.3 yards rushing per game. In your three wins, 213. I mean, Darren, that's a significant difference, and obviously coming off a game last week, you know the loss to Pittsburgh, where you guys rushed for you know a season low twenty-one yards. I mean, is that really the Carolina Panthers go offensively with with how that run game's game goes? Is it as easy as that? It almost, yeah. I mean, and whether it was Baker Mayfield, I mean, and again, you almost have to divide it into a couple of different segments because. During the Matt Rule, Christian McCaffrey portion of the season, and again, you wouldn't think your running game gets better when you trade away Christian McCaffrey, but that's what's happened, and that's no slight to Christian. He's a fantastic player, 49ers are a Super Bowl favorite. Uh, They're probably, in my opinion, the team nobody wants to see uh, in January, but since he's gone, it's become a, a more straightforward running game. Deontay Foreman is not a shake guy. He is not a sizzle guy. He's popped a couple of big runs, but he he is not a out get it outside. They are an up the middle power running team, and it's built on an offensive line that they spent a lot of money and draft picks on this offseason trying to fix. They go out and sign Bradley Bozeman and Austin Corbin free agency, use their first round pick on left tackle Iki Aquanu. That was intentional, and because they know they wanted whether even no matter who the coach was, even when Christian was still here, they knew they needed to fix that part of it. So they went out and got those guys. And the thing that's happened a couple of times you mentioned those three losses Cincinnati Baltimore Pittsburgh you know the Cincinnati game was one of those that you've seen over the years a team has one of those every year that just gets away from them and gets off the rails early and then come back that one was that game but Pittsburgh and Baltimore both I mean three four defenses that kind of get after you play old school football too so it was it was some struggles in both those games just trying to get anything established. But otherwise, they've been able to lean on people. They've been able to stay on the front foot. They've been able to find holes for Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and even a kid named Raheem Blackshear, who uh, has contributed a little to the running game. So, you know, it's it's not sexy. It's not flashy. Um, I feel like Dan Campbell probably respects it because it's very <laughs> old school and physical and, you know, cold weather type football. I'm sure Dan will respect that. I mean, he always preaches, right, grit, toughness, offensive line. That's what the, he wants this offense in Detroit to be predicated on, too. And, look, when they're a successful offense, and obviously Jared Goff is playing really well and they have some weapons on the outside, but when this team is humming offensively, it's through that offensive line, it's through that run game. So very you know, similar styles of offense, certainly, with, with, with Carolina and Detroit on, on Saturday. But let's talk about Sam Darnold a little bit. He's going to get the start, Steve Wilkes said uh, on Monday. Look, you look at his statistics they don't wow you obviously because of what you talked about and just the style they want to play but look he hasn't turned the football over you guys are two and one with him as a starter um just maybe evaluate his play and and what he needs to do on Saturday for you guys to come away with a win 
Yeah, the only real important stat with Sam right now is zero number of turnovers since he's been back in the lineup. Now, Sam even caught a break here a couple of weeks ago when uh, the ball came loose on an exchange and he actually grabbed it and rolled his way into the end zone. So <laughs> even when things didn't go well, they worked out for him uh, for the most part. But they've really lowered the bar on any of the quarterbacks. If you go back to Steve Wilk's first game as interim coach out in L.A., P.J. Walker was starting and they barely threw anything farther than about five yards downfield. They just, Steve wants to reduce mistakes and reduce the opportunity for calamity. And that's kind of the way they're game planning. And Sam's played all right. Sam's played all right. And, you know, fine. And it sounds like a backhanded compliment. But, you know, what they really want Sam to do is take care of the ball. Now, they think there's some more shots. He hit a couple the other day against Pittsburgh when they were trying to get back in that thing. And and he's got the kind of arm to get downfield. He's got some mobility. There was a point last year when they actually got off to a 3-0 and start. Sam led the league in touchdown runs. Uh, he had like five rushing touchdowns in the first three or four weeks, something like that. Uh, but Sam can be mobile. He can do some things. But really, it's just a matter of keeping the expectations low and not asking him to do too much that's just not who they want to be and I know Steve Wilkes talked about it earlier in the week too about encouraging Sam to use his legs a little bit more too and and look the Lions have struggled defensively against some mobile quarterbacks this season so you know maybe something that that if if there's an opportunity there you know Sam could certainly look to 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 extend a play or make a play with his legs Darren let's switch over to the other side of the ball I'm talking with Darren Gant does a terrific job covering the Carolina Panthers for Panthers.com defensively a pretty good football team I mean you got a couple guys in Brian Burns and in AC um, Horn especially that that jump out on, on tape and, and some of the numbers that they've put up this season um, it, that really one of the strengths of this football team and, and what's the test for that defense this week and, and what's the point of emphasis facing a Detroit Lions team that's pretty explosive at, at really all different levels offensively. Yeah, JC is a guy who is, he's that guy. He's one of those corners who you can just turn loose on somebody and kind of take them out of the game. DK Metcalf wasn't really a factor the other day in Seattle. And and it was as simple as, JC, you got him. Take care of that one. Uh, The problem has been when other people start getting involved in the passing game. You know, they were able to hit some plays to lock it up in Seattle. On the other side, obviously, it was a struggle when C.J. Henderson went out injured, uh, Last week, you know, they had Keith Taylor, a second year, fifth round pick, uh, who's had some moments, but really, you know, the Steelers were kind of picking on him. They were looking up at the line of scrimmage and and finding him and, and going his way. JC's got that ability to kind of take away half the field, but they're going to have to run some different guys in. I think CJ's health is going to be one of the big storylines of this week down here, just to see how he is. He's a guy who, while not JC Horn, is very talented and has played more consistently you know, probably the second half of the year rather than the first half of the year, but just all the talent in the world. And, you know, they're also out there with a guy in Dante Jackson who they spent some money on this offseason, keeping him as a free agent sitting on IR. So they've been struggling to keep enough corners on the field for a team that was pretty deep at that spot to begin with. And 
a five and nine football team, you don't always think of a team in in mid December that that's in the mix that's playing meaningful football in the month of December. But but that's where Carolina finds himself, just because of um, you know what the the where the NFC South finds itself. And you know what's the risk of? I know you guys have Tampa Bay next week. Just because you, you guys really do control your own destiny, destiny, you have to take care of your own business. There's no looking past Detroit to Tampa Bay, is there this week, Darren? Uh, no, there's not, and especially not after the Steelers kind of beat their heads in the other day because Wilkes has been very clear. I mean, he's talked about playoff mentality, and they had to approach the last six weeks of the season as a series of playoff games. You know, obviously, last week didn't go so well, but – you know, he said the other day, we can't talk about playoffs because we've got to get all of that stuff fixed. And you got to do it against a really good Detroit team before you can even worry about what you're going to do in Tampa in a couple of weeks on New Year's Day. So it's uh, from that standpoint, I think it was a, you know, you never like having those big, you know, kind of deflating defeats. But earlier this year, when they go up to uh, Cincinnati and get rolled, they come back short week on Thursday night against Atlanta and probably played one of their more complete games of the year that night. Um they're hoping short week and that kind of loss kind of brings them in focus, but they were going to be focused this week anyway. I mean, when you look at what they're playing against and, you know, I think people, you guys have probably heard it. People still talk about Detroit as if it was the team that started one and six. And now this is one of the hottest teams in the league and they're pretty aware of that. Yeah, it's just fun to be covering meaningful games in December, isn't it? I know we've been through some some hard times here the last few years. It's it's such a big difference, isn't it, Darren? We've talked about that a lot here, and and Wilkes has kind of brought back that feeling because he was on staffs here with Ron Rivera when they went seven, eight, and one and won the division by winning four straight. You know, start three, eight, and one and win a division, go to the playoffs. Make no apologies for it. They won a playoff game that year, so um, it's been a while. It's been since two thousand seventeen since they've played meaningful games in December in this building. And, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh game didn't go the way they wanted to. So we'll see how it goes on on Christmas Eve against our close personal friends, the Lions. All right, last one for you, Darren. The the, the Carolina Panthers win on Saturday, and, and they keep right on the heels of Tampa Bay heading into a big matchup between those two teams week 17 if what happens at Bank of America Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, I think they've got to turn Jared Goff over a time or two. I think they've got to get the ball away defensively because, again, they've lowered the bar on what offense needs to be. And if the run defense or if the run game can't get going uh, the way they struggled against Pittsburgh the other day, if they don't get that part of the game going, I think they're going to have to create a turnover. And, I mean, Jared hadn't done it in a while. I think it's six games, six games without an interception for him. So, you know, again, they'll be hoping that cold weather is a factor for him. They'll be hoping for some of that other stuff, but honestly, I think they're going to need a break. I mean, they're going to have to get a turnover. They're going to have to make a play on special teams, something like that, because where they are offensively right now, they're not dynamic enough to barely expect to get into a game where they have to score 24, 27, 30 points a game and try to win it. That's just not how they're built right now. 
Well, it should be a fun one, Darren. It's going to be cold. Uh, it should be it should be physical. We're used to that in Detroit. They're 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 a staple in the old suitcase. But uh, it, it should be a fun one. Obviously, it, it, it's a huge game for for both teams. It's fun to be uh, covering meaningful football in the month of December. Great stuff, Darren. Appreciate you. And I'll make sure I come and say hello on uh, Saturday. Sounds good. What a time to be alive, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. We'll see you on Saturday. Hey, bud. Welcome back to the 20 Mill Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I am now joined by starting left tackle Taylor Decker. Taylor, we were talking about this on the way up. I had you on kind of, you know, a few weeks ago, right when you guys started mm-hmm. your win streak. And, and I wanted to have you on again because things are a lot different now. And and you being, you know, the most senior member of this team and having been through kind of this run early in your career in 16 and 17, yeah. how does this maybe differ um, th- this run, playing meaningful games in December, different than in 16 and 17 when you guys were kind of going through the same same thing? I mean, I would say the the primary difference would be that it's like how we're winning games. How yeah. What is our approach to how we're going to win games? How are we going to take advantage of these defenses where, um, especially in 16, like we were winning almost every game on a two-minute drive at the end of the Come game. Come from behind stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the obvious thing would be is, like, there's nobody here that was that was there then. Like there's there's nobody there's no staff like there's no players like right there's nobody yeah so it's it's completely different and and that just gives a a different locker room feel um, and you know it's just it's completely different honestly complimentary football that's what people talk about all the time right yeah. and it seems like that's the biggest difference from the outside looking in with me just you guys yeah. have won games with your defense on the field at the end of the games you guys offensively have grinded a six minute drive to take the clock down and yeah. in the case of last week and, and Minnesota made the plays offensively to win the game special teams you've had two special teams players of the week with Badgley yeah. making field goals and then Khalif turning yeah. it just seems like it, it, it's got to be really fun right because it seems like everybody has a hand in in what's going on right now yeah and I think that's that's good football like yeah. you know there's going to be games where maybe um like like last week against the Jets the, the offense we have a tough matchup that defense is phenomenal like they're a very good defense um so we were going to need our defense to, to step up and make some plays or we're going to need the special teams to get a touchdown or whatever it may be and just being able to to know that that other phase has your back is is just huge and then uh, I'd say the, the biggest difference, one of the bigger differences also would be that some we're not putting ourselves in a position to have a two-minute drive to win the game sometimes. Yeah. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're ahead and we're able to just control the clock. It's a six-minute drive to yeah. grind it, run the football, exactly. and impose that, your will on somebody and yeah. just win the game. And that's got to be fun as an offensive lineman too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing harder than two-minute. There's <laughs> nothing harder than two-minute. And, and, when, and when you have a four-minute and it's successful, yeah. I mean, that just takes all the steam out of the other team. You know, you said a few weeks ago that and you were very vocal about this not being, you know, the, the same old Lions team. And, you know, you took some criticism then about some maybe unbelievers. But how rewarding is it now that there's probably pretty much 99% of Lions fans in, in the Detroit population that agrees with you 100% after watching the last seven weeks? I mean, you saw this coming right when it started to turn. How rewarding is it that that you know this team has bonded together and kind of lived up to what you guys talked about this not being what you, what, what what Lions fans were used to? Yeah, I mean, I would say I just seen it. I'd just seen how close we are, um, and I'd seen a clip the other day after the first Minnesota game, 
Uh, and I had said, we are really, really close to being a really good team. Yeah. And we're just, we just got to make the plays at the end of the game. And, and I've seen the confidence build and, and some young players and then in different position groups. Um, the coaches, you know, have obviously tried to put the players in a position to succeed even more so. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like it was just a matter of time before we got this thing rolling because we, we've been we've been close in a lot of games and, and half of them haven't gone our way. And then uh, more recently, we've been able to, to make those plays at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, just to see the work we put in yeah. and, and, and feel the belief because you can't fake belief. You can't fake trust. It's different in this building. Yeah. It just feels different. You know, from someone who's in the building every day, not obviously in the locker room, but just it just feels different around walking around. There's there's a different vibe, a different culture, a different attitude. And yeah. credit Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes for, for you know, yeah, turning it into that. And I mean, just you look at games like last week. We used to lose those games ten out of ten times. Yeah, early in the year you might have lost yeah. that game. And, and and yeah, exactly. Early yeah. in the, like we used to lose those games. Yeah, and and we didn't. And I think that was a really good game for us and a really good win for us to to kind of squeak one out. Yeah. You know, when you, don't, obviously, when you don't play your best football, too, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you guys were 0-3 in the Reds. Uncharacteristic of you guys offensively. Just yeah. didn't play your best game, but on the road against a good team, against a top defense, found a way to win. Yeah, and I think that's huge because, you know, we've we've had some games recently where at the end we didn't, we didn't have to make those plays because we played well for, you know, up until that point, and then yeah. we were ahead and, and we in control of the game. But to have a game like that where it's like, we got to make these plays at the end of the game to win this and – we haven't played our best best ball, and to still win, I mean, that's just another uh, another step in, in our growth as a team, yeah. and to be able to mature as a team. Um, so I think that, I think it was great for us. What about getting plays from guys like Khalif Raymond to yeah. win a game? Getting a, a play like uh, you know from Brock Wright to win a game like that too. So yeah. you know, obviously you expect it from the Sharks and the Swifts and those guys of the world, right? They make big plays all the time, golf. Yeah. But for Khalif Raymond to return a punt and be a big part of that. Brock Wright in the last two minutes have a 51-yard touchdown. It's not only finding a way to win a game when you don't play your best, but getting it from a lot of different players. That's got to give that whole team confidence, too, that anybody can step in and make a play. Yeah, and that's that's a testament to those guys every single day doing what they're supposed to do and, and being in the right spot, knowing what to do. Because, um, like, Brock and, and Leaf are – professionals man they're like pros pros and they go about it like that and and you may not see them make the you know the big splash play every single sunday but that doesn't mean they can't and that doesn't mean they don't know how to yeah and uh Brock was faster than I thought. So. Was, <laughs> Jared he was, he said that too. Jared said it. We, we knew he was fast, but even me watching it from the press box, I was, was like, scoot, he can scoot a little bit. That straight line, we got to go check the 40 time at the combine there. Yeah. Robert Sala leading into that game was talking about the offensive line, was talking about everything starts with Detroit up front. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody knows that, just the way that you guys are, are playing right now. Yep. He said there's Philadelphia Eagles and there's the Detroit Lions in terms of the elite offensive lines in this league. When you hear that from a guy like that who's – obviously you know made his mark playing defense in this league or coordinating defense in this league what does that what does that mean to you that that you guys are now considered that elite status at at, at your position group first off I would say it's a huge compliment from him especially because I see him as a front seven defensive guy especially yeah we want this defense to penetrate get up the field we want our linebackers to be able to run Um, so he he obviously watches a lot of offensive lines so that's a huge compliment coming from him and then on top of that, I think him saying that, he was going to try and heat us up. <laughs> we, they were going to bring all sorts of pressures. Yeah. There was going to be safeties in the run game. And they were. 
mm-hmm. they were making plays. I mean, their safeties were basically playing linebacker. It right. Like. Um, so it was a great challenge for us. And, and I would say, while it's an awesome compliment, um, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. So if we go out and we lay an egg and we don't play well against Carolina, yeah. then it doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's an interesting team, too, because, I mean, you look at them, their strength is probably defense. Brian Burns, yeah. you're probably going to see him. Penny's going to see him. I know they move him around. Just the type of player he is leads them in sacks, leads them in tackles for loss. Yeah. Looks like he's got a pretty good you know, toolbox of, of pass rush moves. That's a nice little spin move. Just a challenge this week with, with, with Brian. Yeah, he's top-notch. Yeah. He, he is top-notch, and uh, he's got – some of that rare burst and speed. Um, he's he's one of those naturally slippery, bendy guys yeah. that can that can uh, hit a hand move, but also bend the edge if he doesn't catch your hands clean. Um, and then, you know, given his his success that he's had, you can tell he's a confident player. He's out there playing confident and disruptive. All right, I want to I want to just switch gears a little bit too. You annually are one of the top five to top ten tackles in the NFL, and and the recognition hasn't always been there for you for whatever reason. Probably mostly because the team hasn't won, right? You know mm-hmm. how the, this Pro Bowl stuff kind of goes. Yeah. If you don't win, you're probably not going to get on. But you got into the top five in the fan vote, and you were named an alternate to the Pro Bowl. So there's some recognition. There. I didn't even know that. So just what does that mean? I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Yes. No, you, I did. Yeah. I, I knew that I uh, got a bunch of fan votes there at the 11th so hour, you're, but the, I did the not. the fellow players and the fellow coaches voted as well, and you were named an alternate to the Pro Bowl. So I'm just, I'm just curious because <laughs> it. of, it, you know, it, it seems like you know, you're one of those guys every single year to finally now start get the recognition. This line's getting the recognition. Just how does that feel to, to finally kind of be among those, those guys that are getting recognized as the elite tackles in this league? Um. Man, it's humbling, and it, it's cool. I mean, is uh is an O lineman like our stats are team stats? So I know a lot of like that recognition is going to come along with team stats. Um, but just to see like the, the how the fans turned out there late. Um, I mean, I know I I think I said it to Justin Rogers that it was something that it eats at me. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's that's pretty cool, man. And I just that. I don't got much to say because <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. No, well, I'm glad. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. It, it is. It is. And you know, Frank, obviously, you know, you got in on on you know, on the team. Just what what Frank has meant his second Pro Bowl and just what the steadying force he is in the center there. If there was, if there's one guy on the team that deserves to go, I would pick Frank. Yeah. Um, as an offensive line, if you look like which positions typically are kind of seen the most mm-hmm. it would probably be the tackles um frank at that center position is dominant he is elite and i would say on top of that um some of the stuff he's battling through this year people don't know the extent of it yeah i mean he's he's hurting and not many guys would be even playing anymore i don't think that um so just that mental aspect of his toughness mm-hmm. on top of what he's able to physically do on top of him being in there makes everybody around him better just because of his understanding of the game, um, I mean, he's the guy's incredible. Yeah, like he's he's one of my best friends, and he deserves every bit of recognition he gets. Like he is, he's incredible. Well, you guys pretty much control your own destiny here. Start Saturday in Carolina. Take care of business there. Keep this thing rolling. And boy, can you even imagine Taylor what it's going to be like 
in Ford Field, Chicago, Week 17. If you guys are eight and seven with a chance to uh, to, to keep this thing rolling and, and potentially yeah. make the playoffs with that game, have you let your? I mean, you guys I, don't let yourself yeah. look ahead, obviously. You, but you've been with this team a long time. Just, that's going to be a crazy environment, right? Um, I don't think I know what to expect because every <laughs> every week, um, every week recently, especially, it's been crazy in there. It's it's been more rowdy and more rowdy every single week, and like we're going out there for warmups an hour before the game, and it's like, man, the stadium's almost like full already. Like, <laughs> it is an incredible atmosphere, and and you know when the Lions are winning. That's got to be one of the best atmospheres in the NFL. 100%. It's got to be like our our atmosphere in the game day is just incredible, and the fans are losing their minds and having a good time. And I mean, it's awesome. Fans drive our game. I've said it a bunch of times. Like we we don't get to play, and we don't get to you know make the living that we do, and you know be on TV if it's not for the fans, if 100%. it's not for the people. All the you know I've I've said this before. Like we're a blue collar city, and there's there's people who are doing hard work, manual labor, working two, three jobs, whatever it may be. And, and they, they choose to spend their money to buy tickets to come see us or wear our jerseys. And, um, it's incredible. And, you know, I, I said it after last game, like they, they deserve a winner. This city deserves a winner. Well, make sure you guys go win in Carolina on Saturday. Make sure that's a crazy environment yeah. in a couple of weeks. Keeps it rolling. You get, you're playing some good ball. You guys are playing some good ball offensively. Let's, uh, let's finish this thing out strong. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast. This is now the key matchups segment presented by BetMGM. We're back. And We're rolling. P- yes, PJ Clark is joining me. Uh, producer extraordinaire. Football analysis extraordinaire. Okay. You, you've got... We'll take it. You, it's the yeah, giving you, season. It You're is. Giving it's me Christmas. A lot of it's, here. It's, it's close here. You, you are a big part of the podcast. And so, obviously, you know the drill. It's, it's, it's five key matchups in this one. And let's start right up front. I mean, I think this is a game that's going to be won in the trenches. Yep. I think these teams are built very similarly. They want to play physical football. It starts up front along the offensive and defensive lines. They want to run the football first on offense. Detroit's obviously a little more explosive at quarterback and wide receiver, but... But, you know, that's kind of where it starts. And I think a key matchup in this one is is their talented edge rusher, Brian Burns, versus – we'll put Penny Sewell on the graphic here, but they move him both sides. I think Taylor's going to – Taylor Decker's going to see him on the Definitely. left side too. And, you know, I think I just think that's a key matchup. When when you look at Burns, he leads them in, in sacks with 10.5, but he also leads them in tackles for loss. He's their most explosive player up front. He's the guy up front that can wreck a game for them. There's a reason why teams were calling Carolina yeah. after McCaffrey got traded and offering two first-round picks for that guy because he is as good. Ten and a half sacks this year. He's got a sack, a full sack in eight of 14 games. He had a half sack and a ninth. Two sacks versus the Lions in 2020, so this is a team that has played him before, but one of the premier young edge rushers in the league, and on the graphic here, you got Sewell, one of the premier young tackles in the league, only two sacks allowed this year. This is a big matchup, and Carolina is a team that has invested a lot of draft picks into the defense, specifically that front. They took Derek Brown the year after they took Brian Burns, but 
Burns has really blossomed into a superstar here in year four. But this is a Detroit Lions team that's put a lot of resources to their offensive yes, line. Yes, sir, they With have. Sewell, a first-round pick. Ragnow, first-round pick. Decker, a first-round pick. Um, Jonah Jackson, a third-round pick. The the five-year $50 million yeah. for, for Big V. Obviously, Evan Brown's filling in while Big V's on IR. But, but that's really been the strength of this team. And when you look at this offensive line, what is it, 10 quarters now, I think, they've yeah. gone without a sack. You mentioned, you know, Penny only only two the interior guys haven't allowed one yet uh, all three guys brown ragnow and, and and jackson and i just think this is a big matchup because you know we we, we talked to um uh carolina um beat writer you know ahead of this uh, darren gant and he said the key to him in this game detroit's a more talented football team but they're going to need to turn the football over yeah. you know they're going to need the Lions turn the football. Yeah. They're going to need to generate some some takeaways, and I think one of the guys you know that can do that. Um, obviously, J.C. Horn is one, but I think Brian Burns is one too with that strip sack. He's he's got a terrific spin move if you watch some of the highlights, and so you know I think you know making sure Jared's clean, playing the kind of football that you've been playing if you're the Detroit Lions over the last seven weeks, especially up front, I think is important in this game. And just keep it methodical. I mean, you won an ugly game on the road in a cold environment. It's going to be a similar thing. I mean, you just got to, if you can get the run game going a little bit more, it's been kind of down the last couple of weeks, but Swift Swift had, what, six and a half for a carry yeah. against the Jets. I mean, that's that's a good number. That's where you want to be. Maybe get Jamal back in the end zone for the first time in a while here and, and get back on the board. I should way. have been in the end zone. That, that holding call on Evan yeah. Brown was a little yeah. iffy. Yeah. It happens. It happens. All right, well, let's go uh, uh, You know, on the outside. And, look, they don't have a ton of weapons outside. Like we said, they want to run the football with, with uh, Deontay Foreman. Um, but D.J. Moore is, is more than capable Star. at wide receiver. And, look, they'll throw him in the backfield and they'll run him too. He's a lot yeah. like um, uh, uh, St. Brown yeah. in that sense that, that they'll kind of move him all over the place and use him in a lot of different spots. And, and obviously, you know, it'll be a big matchup with Jeff Okuda. Um, you know, the Jets, I thought, really kind of went after yeah. Jeff a little bit last week. 14 pass attempts his way. Now, they only completed six of them, 42.9%, but did hit a couple big plays, 125 yards. So, you know, I, I think Jeff will take those percentages, wants to limit the big plays. There are a couple there I think, you know, he probably thinks he – should have had a little better ball skills. Um, and, and, look, Sam Darnold will, will take a shot or two. We yep. saw it last week in their loss to Pittsburgh. They probably should have connected on on two, you know, um, shots down the field. Um, they weren't to DJ Moore, but DJ Moore is their big play guy. And so, look, he's got 51 receptions on the year, but 97 targets, which shows you their struggle at the quarterback position a little bit. 678 yards, five touchdowns, leads them. He's their most gifted offensive player. He's their most gifted offensive player now. 97 targets. The next highest is McCaffrey at 43. Not like he plays there anymore. He's been gone for a while. Yeah. So that kind of just shows you it's the DJ Moore show. Then Terrace Marshall <laughs> is in second right yeah. now. But seven games with over 30% target share. So he is really the guy, the guy you got to key in on. As you mentioned, Jeff, a rough start to the Jets game. I thought he battled back. You mentioned the ball skills. Still had two pass breakups in that game. So not his best yardage, but you'll take the 6 for 14 completion. You know, 
And I think the secondary as whole is probably looking for a bounce back yeah. game here. Not not the, a lot of big plays last week. A ton of big plays. 50, 40, 33, 33, 22, 21, 20. I think yeah. that were the big plays. Um, and, you know, a, a few balls that kind of fluttered up in the air. I, I, I thought the Zach Carter Wilson catch. just yeah. kind of threw it up for grabs. And looking at the film, those guys probably, you know, think they could have had maybe three, four picks in that game. So I'll be looking for, for Jeff and those guys to have a, a definite bounce back game, and they'll have to be really good against DJ Moore. Uh, let's go back up front and, and let's talk about um, you know their rookie tackle Akeem Ikwanu versus a guy that just Peach just keeps he's getting just, sacks. He's in the back. All he does now. Week. The Jets probably would have wanted block to block Houston. him. His sack last week was an unblocked sack, probably a miscommunication there. But hey, a sack's a sack, and he'll take it. Um, look, he's got you know three. Uh, he's got. Uh, He's the third player in NFL history to have a sack, at least one sack, in his first four games. He's got five on the year. That's second among NFL rookies behind only teammate Aiden Hutchinson. He's He just keeps it rolling. He just keeps rolling, and he's winning multiple ways now. So he still does that little hesitation move that you saw against Buffalo where he got the, the big first sack, but he's you know dipping around these tackles. He's going wide. He can stay inside. He's just, I mean... He's got a knack for it. He yeah. gets into the backfield every week. He's coming up. He doesn't miss sacks. When he's there, he will hit the quarterback. He goes low, which is a good way to win when you have that bend. You don't have to come all the way back up. The, the It's elite bend. It, it, it's elite bend, and it's some crazy stuff. The one that he hit Wilson in the fourth quarter on that last possession of the game, that was low. That was just turning around the corner and, and getting there and, and you know forcing an incompletion on that. But then... Kemakwanu, you're looking at that a top flight tackle in this year's draft, but he's tied for fourth in penalties amongst offensive yeah. linemen this year. He's got nine on the year. That's something that the Lions, especially, you know, you saw how offensive line penalties can impact you negatively last week. This is a guy that ha- has done it an awful lot. And it's year. been a weird season for Aquino because you look at the start, right? He allowed three sacks in his first two games. Rough start, as you expect with rookies. But then he went a stretch of 10 games right there from yeah. week three through uh, whatever it was, 11-12, where he did not allow a sack, was playing much better football. Now has allowed one in each of the last two weeks. Now, obviously, last week against Pittsburgh yeah. and, and, and that defense, that, that's a tough task. But um, I think this is an opportunity for James Houston, Aiden Hutchinson, um, you know, Josh Pascal, uh, Romeo Quara, who had a couple last definitely. week, who's who's definitely playing yeah. uh, much better, and then obviously James Houston on the graphic there. So um, it'll be, you know, it'll it'll. It, I think there's an opportunity for those guys on the edge to impact the game in a big way on Saturday, specifically with with Aquano and Houston. I mean, that is just that's athlete on athlete. Yeah, and I'm excited to to see. You know, this is a, a big tackle that can move. How is he going to combat that that? bend and that move that that Houston has just broken out in four straight games now that I think that's going to be a really fun one to watch. All right, let's talk about another one. I think this might be their best defensive player is cornerback J.C. Horn and and versus D.J. Chark. Now, I think J.C. is going to probably see a variety of different guys, but we put D.J. Chark on here because Chark won catch for 18 yards last week, Um, you know, didn't get really involved, faced a really good corner in in, in Sauce Gardner. Yeah, Yeah, but you look at J.C. Horn, I put him in that same category with Sauce. I mean, you just look at the numbers. He's got three picks on the year. When you throw at, at J.C. Horn, 54.8 completion percentage, has not allowed a touchdown. Team, opponents have a 39.4 rating. That was better than Sauce Gardner's yeah. numbers coming in. We talked last week about you know how good of a matchup that was. And so, look, this guy, he basically shuts down half the field for them. They basically say, okay, 
JC, you take this half, and then we'll just worry about all the rest. Now, teams are attacking the other side a lot. Yeah. Um, but, but, boy, you're such a better defense when you have a cornerback that you just trust to take away one half the field. And, I mean, this is literally my one note. is just this is sauce 2.0, which yeah. I guess is good for the Lions because <laughs> you could you figured out how to win by just ignoring half of the field, and you got the win, and, and you got there. It wasn't pretty all the time, but it happened. So let's run that back. Do it, do it again. And I know they want to take care of the football, and that's been one of the big recipes for winning football with Jared over the last you know, six, six wins. But I think I'd like to see it maybe one or two more shots. Yeah, because you had the one to JMO. It you was had open. the one to JMO. It was open, just underthrew it. You know, he wishes he would have thrown it a little bit earlier, but I thought there were some opportunities maybe to take some some shots, give guys like Chark a chance for a 50-50 ball. Um, you, you know, the, there's a fine line there. You want to be careful not turn it over because that's why you're winning. But um, I think you've you when they've been – at their best offensively, they've protected Jared, they've run the football, and they've gotten explosive plays and down play the field. I mean, I think that's really where you're going to rely on, if you're Carolina, a star corner like J.C. Horn. I mean, this is a big guy. He's physical. He's handsy. He likes to tackle. I mean, this is a big hitter. It's, I mean, he really but is incredibly I give, I give, similar to I give J-Mo and I give DJ Chark a chance, at least yeah. one chance down the field against that guy if it's one-on-one. Let's yeah. see if my guy can make a play. And even if it, even if it's not against J.C. Horn, I mean, C.J. Henderson was a, a top-ten pick in 2020, but he's been banged up. He hasn't been great this year when he's been on the field. So it's just, you know, it, all right, Josh Reynolds, you're out for this play because it's eight-on-eight eight on the left side, and let's see what J-Mo can do against C.J. Henderson on the other. Well, let's finish it with this one is Sam Darnold, uh, you know, their quarterback. Um, obviously, he's, you know, been through some tough times here th- through the beginning of his career. You know uh, better than most being a, <laughs> a, little being, bit. Being a Jets fan, uh, growing up in New York, but and against Jared Goff. And I think, obviously, the most important position in football, right, is yeah. quarterback position. You just look at Goff, that six straight starts, the only quarterback in the league with six straight starts without a, a turnover. And that that's really been, I think, one of the big catalysts behind the six-and-one stretch here. Yeah, and you just it's partially on Goff hitting the open receiver and and not risking it too much like he was a little bit maybe pressing early on in the season but it's also on the offensive line you know yeah, letting 100%. anybody touch him there's no strip sack there's no chaos in the backfield there but I mean, Sam's got three games with no turnovers as well this year. So yeah. that's something to, to keep an eye on. And that's sure. why I put this one up there because I think that's huge. Sam Darnold's 2-1 and one in the year. He's completing less than 60% of the passes. It's a lot of short game. And, and they're not and, letting him throw. It was 19, 24, and 23. Yeah. They're not letting him throw the ball. And it's been that same it's recipe. Like, don't yeah. make the mistake. And so I think that's why this graphic and this matchup to me is an important one because um, I think whichever one of those guys maybe makes one or two mistakes, I think that's going to be huge in the outcome of this game because they've both been pretty clean they want to play a similar style count on their defense run the football grind it out physical um which team can maybe force that that big turnover that strip sack that jump around that whatever and and get a big turnover that makes a difference in the game i think that's huge and i think that's why both these guys have to play really really well for the team and i think these are two guys that that like the little underneath routes i mean you see goff to amara all the time and just you know put it in your receiver's hands, let them get yards after the catch kind of thing. But these are both guys that they can hit you downfield. If you're ignoring that and you're hedging towards up front and the intermediate intermediate area there, they can hit you downfield. I mean, certainly Sam can. And we've Sam's seen got it from, a strong arm. We've seen it from, from Jared a couple times this year that, that 
both defenses have to be aware of, of what can happen downfield. Well, Pete, it's going to be a big one. You know, I think it, at five and nine, it, it's crazy. It's, playoff it's game crazy to say that teams. this yeah. is still a playoff game. What what are the uh, the Bucks six and eight? Yep. Uh, they got the Bucks the following week, but they can't look ahead because they've got to handle their business. Make that a huge game. Detroit, obviously, at seven and seven, is um, you know very much in the hunt. It's going to be potentially a record cold game yeah. for, for how for, about that for a, the, the a Christmas game trip to in Carolina, Carolina has yeah. certainly uh, taken a hit that will play a factor but it, look huge game um you know i think two teams obviously the lines are a little bit more talent talented on on both sides of the ball but i think they want to play a similar style so it should be an interesting game who gets off to a big start who makes that big play it's a road game too. i think you gotta you gotta take that into account yeah i think carolina is not built to come back i think if detroit can get yeah. off to a good start get maybe a double digit lead i think that puts carolina really behind the eight ball we will both be there we yep. will be chilly well, I won't. I'll be in the press box. I will be chilly. You'll be chilly down on the field. I'll be layered. I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> um, but we'll uh, obviously have a breakdown after the game, as we always do. Um, it was a good show. There's a lot of good stuff in this one. Obviously, big game for both. And uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll uh, see you after the Carolina game.